You're listening to the Homegrown Faith Podcast. I'm Joe Clark, and I'm chatting with my fellow pastor and friend, Richard Sweatman, about God, the Bible, and life lived growing our faith in Jesus. This podcast is coming to you from Hunter Bible Church in Newcastle. Good afternoon, Joe Clark. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you, Richard. How are you, brother? Yeah, very good. Um, I hear you've been looking into some native wildlife. I have. I was just, um, (laughs) one day I was thinking, okay, I'd like to have a house in Lake Macquarie where there are lots of trees around me. And so then I was like, oh, I'd really love to encourage native flora and fauna. And then I went deep down, deep, deep down into investigating native birds and wildlife that are endangered in the Lake Macquarie area and how to get nesting boxes. And it turns out, Richard, there is a scam around us that you need to know about. The oh, scam really? is, yeah. yeah. We've got to be alert to scams, Joe. Scams. And the scam is that a lot of nesting boxes that are sold actually don't protect the native species they're meant to be encouraging, but instead just become nesting boxes for introduced species and, and pests. Oh, no. I That's know. terrible. Yeah, terrible. So, for instance, there's this species of possum called a squirrel glider. And they're a species of concern. So they're mm-hmm. something that we really want to be thinking about in the Lake Macquarie. But if you're not careful, you're just going to encourage other possums, which are not threatened at all and not vulnerable. And so you actually really need to get it right. You need to buy the right kind of instruction manual or build the, buy the right kind of nesting box to go with a squirrel glider. Anyway, it was dramatic investigation time. <laughs> I take it the squirrel gliders are very cute animals, is that? Yes, they're very cute. But also, did you have you ever heard of a, I think it's called like a pardalot or something like that? I can't even do it. I don't even know. I... Well, there's this whole range of basically rat-looking like things that are native to Australia. All <laughs> oh, right. These are also species of concern but less cute, is it? Well, I don't know if they're species of concern because they're not on the special PDF I downloaded, but they are of concern. They need to be encouraged as a species. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, wow, I don't know if I want little rat-like things near my house. And then I thought, Joe, be about the native flora and fauna that God designed. It's designed. About, so... it's about nature, Joe, yeah. So I've been thinking about, I found that the Latrobe University sells these pre-made nesting boxes. Mm-hmm. I think that's the zone I'm going to go into. That's where yeah. I'm going to go if I end up getting nesting boxes, which <laughs> for the house that I don't yet own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't let that stop you. Just enjoy the nesting boxes. That sounds fun. I could do with my own personal nesting box, I feel, at times. just well, uh... I feel, Yeah. <laughs> I think that's not a wrong desire. It talked about how you need the right size and shape for comfort. And I thought, yeah. I, I appreciate that. Shelter is important. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, dear. What about you, Richard? What have you been into? Oh, I thought I'd uh, share a life hack that I've discovered recently. Um, now, this is um, during COVID and lockdown. We're all having to watch a lot more YouTube videos than uh, even, even more than usual. And yeah. I found watching YouTube videos very difficult because I don't know if the, the, you're familiar, the normal screen will have your main video and then on the right-hand side, a series of videos that you might like to watch oh, and yes. um, uh, I tend to find that the video I have to watch doesn't look as exciting as the videos over on the right which yeah. <laughs> I could possibly watch <laughs> they're trying to woo yeah. you away <laughs> yes that's right so on my screen now I'm being tempted by um, English Premier League highlights uh, TED talks British yep. comedy snips yep. um, terrible so um, what I've found is this might be obvious to people but you can click on a button that uh, 
sends the main image to cinema mode and that will take up your whole screen and put those suggestions a scroll away down underneath. And not only that, you can install something called an extension. Don't ask me what that is, but it's uh, something that will influence your browser, which for me is Chrome, and that will make YouTube open every time in the cinema mode. And so now... Somebody sends an email, like for church and whatever, watch this video. I can click on that video and the English Premier highlights, the TED Talk highlights, they don't even appear. I know they're down there, but just that simple difference of not having them staring at me while I'm trying to watch the serious video uh, has been a great win for my productivity. So, yep, that's my life hack, Joe. And when you have this life hack, now that you've got it sorted, do you feel like you're, you know, do you get a real buzz from this kind of thing? that you've found something like this or is it is it just kind of like oh this is just you know yeah whatever no no big deal or are you just going to like dine out on this because you're really really happy you found this productivity hack what's your personality i shared it on my personal facebook feed (laughs) you're pretty pretty excited then (laughs) telling my you know 10 on 10 or 11 friends here is something you should know uh, but yeah. the beautiful thing is I forgot about it this morning. I clicked on a video and was watching it and it didn't even, I'd, I'd forgotten that all these tempting videos were underneath. So I um, like that. That's good, yeah. Richard. I like it's that. It's shifting away from the centre of my mind. So, yeah. Uh, it's good to computer not have to be self, Yeah, it's good to not have to be self-controlled on something like that. To just be able to <laughs> just watch what you need to watch. I like it. Yeah, my self-control tanks are running dry a lot of the time. <laughs> um, You're not alone. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, speaking of um, good habits, um, what have you been reading in the Bible, Joe? Yeah, well, I've been reading Matthew and I got to Matthew 15 and I was just reading along and I didn't have any particular wow moments with reading this passage, but I just thought, oh, I might just read it with you and um, whoever's listening along. So it's Matthew 15, verse 21 to 28. I'll read the whole chunk. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Mm. And I think the main thing I just thought as I read it was I was perplexed, perplexed by Jesus not answering the lady. Mm. And I wondered what it would have looked like, what that experience would have been, whether she was part of a big group of people there or I don't know. I was also keen to think more about that Jesus was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. I think, oh, yes, that makes total sense. Mm. Um, but also I was just thankful that God had mercy on someone who was not an Israelite mm. because I'm not an Israelite. And it just yeah. made me think, oh, I'm so thankful. Um, and then my final question, and this is something I thought you might be able to help me with. She's described as a Canaanite woman rather than a Sidonian from mm. like Sidon, mm. which means she was of a, des- a descendant of people who were never fully destroyed by the Israelites when they moved into the promised land. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's I haven't looked into it deeply, but yeah, here, but yeah, the Canaanites were um, it's those uh, collection of nations before the conquest from Joshua. So, mm. Um, mm. and not all of them were driven out. So, yeah, yeah, and an I just interesting thought, ethnic background. 
Yeah, very interesting. And so she's not described as a Samaritan, so she's mm. not related to the Northern Kingdom. She's not described as a Sidonian, so she's not actually, f- well, she's living in this region up in the, it's the mm. north near the coast, right, the side yeah, of Tyre yeah. and Sidon. So she's up yeah. there, which is further north than Canaan, I thought. I thought Canaan was down south, further south, or is it more of a yeah. spread? A bit blurry, but yeah, came, more, more it was down south, but yeah, um, yeah it would have blurred up that way. Anyway. Jesus was conscious and she was conscious that she was not an Israelite, but she still, you know, cried out for mercy and she was mm. given, she was shown mercy for her daughter. Yeah, and I yeah. Thought, oh, isn't isn't Jesus lovely? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's Thoughts? right. I think, um, yeah, with this passage, the first thing you've got to get over is Jesus' use of the word, the dogs there. Yeah. Like, there's no denying it. Like that's a, that's a jarring thing. Very visceral, um, yeah. And so the right response is to go, okay, just... Yeah, that jars a little bit. Let's pause and think about what's more going on. Mm. And I think, yeah, coming into the world, we just see that the gap between the Jews and the, the Gentiles, like the, mm. the, um, the, his disciples had no concern for this woman. They were not interested. They'd seen Jesus healed, but they were not interested in extending that out that way. Um, but they're out there for Tyre, in Tyre and Sidon for mm. some reason. Is it a kind of a restoration, a, a um, staff retreat kind of thing <laughs> getting away? Um, and he's... But the urgency of the urgency of people in need is here, and um, mm. yeah, we're we're drawn to, to the attention just of the the confidence in this woman of Jesus, um, the willingness to to give up sort of any kind of dignity just to to plead for mercy, um, mm. uh, the the simple cry, "Lord, help me," and mm. um, yeah, even though Jesus was the suffering servant, the Messiah on a mission for Israel. Uh, his heart, you know, uh, still you know, melted for for the lost, for the outsider, mm. Mm. and and mm. heals this woman's daughter without any rigmarole or visiting or it's mm. just it's done with a word. So, mm. and and as you're talking, it definitely makes me think how um, I just always want to be understanding better what those words meant to the original speakers and hearers. Um, while still recognizing, it's still significant now mm. to call someone a dog. You would, mm. you just, it's just, it's very, very significant. Mm. And so, but working out the significance then versus the significance now, and whether they're the same and different is important. And yeah, yeah. yeah. And mm. I, it's he doesn't exactly say you are a dog. He, he no. uses an illustration uh, of yeah, good point. giving a point. Good so um, we yeah. uh, we shouldn't um, take it. Too far, but um, yeah, yeah, that's a good clarification. Is, yeah, is Jesus' willingness to extend the good things he's trying to bring to Israel to to the mm. Gentiles? Mm. Mm. So, yeah, I love, but Joe, I love your attitude of just enjoying Matthew fifteen and growing from it, even though it's not necessarily rocking your world. Or, or um, yeah, this is normal Bible reading life, isn't it? It's um, sometimes yeah. you just read it and you take what you can. Yeah, that's right, and you and you just kind of. Um, I, I quite enjoy reading it for the story and thinking, oh, oh that was a real situation that happened. That's also mm-hmm. just a bit interesting. I wonder what that would have looked like or felt like or what the onlookers thought or who was onlooking. And, you yeah, know, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, it's enjoyable to read. That's great. Hmm. What have you been reading outside of the Bible, Richard? Uh, yes. So um, continuing on with a book that I mentioned a few weeks ago, um, Revival and Revivalism, The Making and Marring of American Evangelicalism, 750 oh, to 1858 right. by Ian Murray, <laughs> a long title, yeah. but, um, maybe three quarters of the way through and uh, came across a really interesting guy who I'm a bit embarrassed I didn't really know about. Um, 
His name is Charles Finney. Have you heard of that name, Charles Finney? Uh, it sounds familiar, but I have no idea anything other than yeah, his name sounds maybe the familiar. same for me. But he was a leader in something called the Second Great Awakening in the USA. Oh, yes. Now, yep. the First Great Awakening was with Jonathan Edwards and Charles uh, and um, George Whitfield in mm. about the 1740s. Uh, but the Second Great Awakening was around the 1800s to 1830s in the USA. Mm-hmm. And um, Charles Finney was famous as a revivalist. Uh, like he... Um, uh, it's probably, yeah, with some theological issues there, but he was famous for kind of big meetings and techniques that generated lots of um, uh, what looked like conversions. Mm. Um, he was a Presbyterian minister, 1792 to 1875, um, and uh, he would preach to big big crowds. And um, this book was explaining how a lot of things that we are kind of familiar with or um, think are a bit normal kind of come from that era, certainly with him, but, you know, maybe not he invented them, but from that era. Uh, things like coming down the front. Uh, have you ever been somewhere where yeah, people were invited to come down the front? Yeah. Uh, that was from that period. Oh. Interestingly, going to something called the anxious seat. <laughs> this is where you would go. Uh, <laughs> What's that? Uh, it's where you would sit and someone would talk to you or take your name or something like that. Oh. Um, so we don't have that anymore, but definitely coming down the front. Uh, the idea of making a decision in the moment in a Christian meeting, oh, that yeah. kind of comes from that time. Uh, yeah, Other people around there were saying, no, no, this it's a quite a drawn-out thing, becoming a Christian, but that concept of becoming a Christian in the moment came from that mm. period. Mm. Um, and also in, in preaching, kind of repeated, uh, what he did was repeated pleas and the time is short and I want people, I want to see conversions tonight and... Mm. Um, yeah, so that I just found that very interesting, and the author was saying um, was pointing out some of the problems in his theology that connected with these practices, and okay. that um, underneath it all was actually a different theology of conversion. Okay. So uh, I'll just read. It's hard to quote this book because it's <laughs> the sentences are a bit complicated, but uh, uh-huh. uh, this is a sample from um, Finney's sermon in mm-hmm. um, around that time. He said, um, in in regard to um, the text, make yourself a new heart from Ezekiel, he says, I will show you what is intended in the command of the text. It is that a man should change the governing purpose of his life. A man resolves to be a lawyer, then he directs all his plans and efforts to that object, and that for the time being is his governing purpose. He, He directs all his efforts to that object and has so changed his heart. It is apparent that the change now described, affected by the simple volition of the sinner's mind through the influence of motives, is a sufficient change, all that the Bible requires. It is all that is necessary to make a sinner a Christian. Mm. So he's saying um, it's a decision of the will. Uh, we don't have a corrupt nature that's a inherently hostile to God, mm. he, he's appealing through um, good, uh, powerful rhetoric uh, to change people's minds and persuade them to become a Christian. And that was mm. his theology of conversion. Mm. Um, and so he's played that out by actually just in that moment. So he'd be standing on the platform thinking, I just need to change their minds. I mm. just need to change their minds. That's it. Whereas That's we would it. stand on the platform and say, please, Lord, um, be at work in those you've chosen such that they respond with trust and, um, and faith in Jesus yeah. and use me as the vessel for sharing that gospel. Yeah, mm. that's right. And in the short term, it all worked. Like, um, and that was a lot of common argument from the time. You know, how can this be wrong? It's working. People are becoming Christians. Um, and so for those who 
disagreed. Uh, they were it, found it hard going. Um, mm. But then the trouble with things at work is that over time there are problems and um, over time the impact of Finney's ministry was um, led in a lot of ways to a decrease in size of the churches rather than an increase mm. in the long term. So mm. I'm finding as I read through this warnings about that idea of, well, this works, therefore it must be right. Mm. Mm. Um, just to be very careful with that mm. sort of idea. Mm. And I imagine as well, just even being on, like thinking, okay, when I'm seeking to persuade people, there is more going on than me simply trying to change their mind. And this oh, is yeah. an example of that. It, it's just, um, it's not that simple, um, simplistic look at what you're trying to do when you're teaching. That's people. right. So mm. important that um, in ministry and evangelism, we have a have a biblical theology of conversion. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So, Very interesting, um, yeah, that's Richard. what I've been reading. Yeah, a bit of history, uh, and I feel like I know a bit about Charles Finney, who's someone I should have known a lot more about before, but <laughs> I'm always catching yeah. up. <laughs> always learning more. Well, we are almost out of time, Richard, but mm-hmm. I wanted to share, we're part of the Reach Australia podcast network, as of course, as you know, we've talked about before, but I've just started listening to this series called On Leadership mm-hmm. by Craig Hamilton. It's, it's on the Reach Australia podcast. I just wanted to recommend it to people. Have you listened to it? Not that one, but I listened yeah, okay. to a similar one by uh, Ray Galea about um, leading yourself and yeah. I found it very helpful. So, yeah, yeah looking anyway. forward to listening to Craig. Yeah, Craig's written this book, Wisdom in Leadership, which we both love. And mm. anyway, he's he's recorded this series of podcasts on the Reach Australia Podcast Network and I just recommend people jump on it. I've started listening. I've only listened to one episode, but I've really <laughs> enjoyed just it's quite simple, quite easy to listen to and it gets to the point and so... I just like a bit of a top-up every so often as I think about leadership and you talking about the Regalia one the other day. I was like, oh, I should do that too. So, yeah, anyone who wants to have a listen, I'll put the link in Mm. the show notes. Good stuff. Anyway, we are out of time, but we will talk next week. Look forward to it. Sounds good. All right, see you, Richard. Bye. Bye.